Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. You know what that growl indicates. We are here. We are back a little later in the week. Get to have, make some adjustments, but we're here live and full effect. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing just great. Doing just great. 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 Doc, did you, did you, are you visiting from another country this time, or you, you've been in Houston all this week? I've been in Houston all this week. You know, we had the big games, like championship games, so I was here, made plans to stay here. I did travel that Thursday and Friday between Dallas and up to College Station, so I stayed in the state of Texas, but did hit the road. Thankfully, I got outside of Dallas uh, Thursday, just before the storm hit, uh, refusing to stay up there and dealt with that, so I was able to get back. But I'll be here for a while, you know, I'll stay home, take care of the Christmas holidays, but I will find a way to get out in January. Plans are uh, second week in January, headed to Trinidad and Tobago. The world traveling. Doc, Doc you're just killing me, Doc. You're just killing me. You're just killing me, Doc. Well, let's get right into it. First things first. There you go. Doc touched on one championship that was in town. But That's we're, right, we're in gonna, town. That's we're going to talk it about. It was just in town. Mr. Hootie Who. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The fifth Wildcat who has been grinning from ear to ear for days now, and, and rightfully so. I, I gave shout-out to my, my friends who were Rice Owl alums for what the football team accomplished on Saturday, putting a foot upside Marshall, thundering herd. That's the way to put to, it. Uh, That's the way to put it. Win their first conference championships in 1957, if I'm correct. So, outright. Outright, outright yeah, championship. Outright. Um, to win the Commodore SA Championship, football championship, and go on to play whom, sir, in the bowl? An SEC opponent, Mississippi State. December 31st in Memphis, Tennessee at the Liberty Bowl. 3 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Are you going to try to make it there, sir? Oh, I'm going to make it. I just figured out how, what I got to do to get that to put that together, and it's going to get done. What are your thoughts on the uh, the victory, sir? Were you surprised? Doc and I talked about this a few days ago. I wasn't surprised at all that, that Rice won because I didn't think Marshall could stop Rice. So what are your thoughts on the, on the game? Same thing. Three weeks in the, uh, three games in a row. Defense has played over their head. Uh, they've, they've been a different animal these, the last couple, this last month, really. Uh, they've just walked through, looked at the conference and said, well, it's December. We got to get something done and we got to finish strong. And that's what they did. They also, this year in conference play, they did, were undefeated at home. They held home, uh, home field. It was great to watch the Owls, uh, from afar, uh, because I had a, another engagement, uh, to take care of. But to see the stadium in blue and, blue and white and gray, it was magnificent to see them standing out, you know, and as they say, uh, the last time I was there to witness a, uh, championship in 1994 when Rice shared the uh, Old Southwest Conference Championship. Uh, it was a four-way tie only because of A&M was, a, uh, was ineligible to uh, partic- uh, participate in post, uh, uh, postseason play. When they, The night that they beat Texas and won, it was a, a different atmosphere on campus, not just with the students, but the alumni and the faculty. They basically had conquered their uh, uh, their demon because most people don't really, you know, that are older than I am, uh, they still remember it. But most guys uh, my age don't remember that the 
the Southwest Conference were built on the back of the private schools, and Rice was one of those private schools that got it up and going and, and kept it going for a long, for a good while. And then, as they say, rules changed and things changed. Then state schools stepped in and took over, and they never looked back. But this year, it was the Mighty Isles on Main Street. Listen to him. Listen oh, to him. The yeah. Mighty Owls. That's Listen right. To him. The Mighty Owls. You know, they, they flying the free. They flying free. The Mighty Owls. Oh, Mighty Owls could be, I mean, wow, could be, could be mighty. mighty. Look at that. Well, I tell you what. I thought he might say intellectual. <laughs> you know, well, you know what? That That's going to be a, 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 not so much a sidetrack, but it'll be side by side now. It won't be overbearing as, as people have always said. It's Rice, the academic student. What's going on? No. Everybody, are you saying as they, they're in the football, our friend and colleague, Mr. Baseball, says they're in the football business? They're in the football business. What the hell they are? What the hell they are? The hell you say? <laughs> yeah, we'll, see, we'll see a little bit of Mississippi State. If they can well, make you know this, maybe that's I'm, the next I'm, step I'm, I'm, in I'm moving not, forward. But I still have think they have a way to go. But I will give them a lot of credit. Anytime you go in the championship at any level within any conference, uh, you should get your accolades for doing that. I thought – uh, the game uh, would be a lot closer. Wasn't surprised that Rice won the margin. I must admit, surprised me a little bit, mm-hmm. and giving them the credit and uh, to be ready to play and take that next step and get it done against the Marshall Thunder herd. So those are kind of the thoughts I like, and they really dominated this this contest. You know, you talking about 487 total yards yeah. to 371. But they got it done uh, on all sides of the ball, rushing for 248. And equally passing the 239. So it was a balanced type of attack. Defense showed up. Obviously, you shutting down Marshall. That has put up some points this year. Yeah. Although, uh, Chris alluded to that he thought they wouldn't be able to do it on the right. So that kind of, uh, was surprising me because they had put up some points. Yeah. But the defense stood up, as you said, uh, for the last couple of weeks they've yeah. been doing for it. The last month for sure. And you can tell it's nice to one thing you see because I was watching this game on television as I was up. And reliant preparing to cover the uh, SWAC championship game. And so you saw all that kind of stuff. And it is good to see, um, in terms of right student athletes, you could tell the confidence they had. And anytime you can see people playing with confidence as a fan or as a sports reporter covering that, is always a good thing to look at and analyze. And you saw that in their eyes as they played that game and was counting down the clock as it started to end where they could raise their helmets and hold their heads up high. Of winning a championship, so kudos to the Rice Owls. Two All last things. Uh, two last things, and then we can move on. Uh, Coach Baylor was announced on yesterday the Conference USA Coach of the Year. Well observed. And uh, the Owls placed ten on the All Conference, ten players on the All Conference team this well year. Well deserved as well. And uh, it, the team is still young, uh, and next year's crop, freshman crop, that's coming in. I'll have more on that later uh, as we get close to uh, signing day. But right now, online, uh, they are listed by a couple of uh, the Owls uh, freshman class coming in, listed by a couple of recruiting services as the number one uh, freshman class coming into Conference USA, even as the landscape changes for next season. That's impressive, but it's still a Conference USA. That's true. But as I told you often before we started the podcast, Rice is in a very good position to be, start dominating Conference USA in football. You know, that, I, that's my I opinion. Do, I, I don't disagree with and that. What's interesting with that, well, oddly enough, once you start to get in a position where you dominate a conference, then you are in a position where you can start taking the next step where you can be 
uh, what we would look at as a serious con- contender for taking the next step because now you're going to raise your elevation in terms of the players and people that you can get. So it'll be interesting to see if they can take that first step with winning the championship. Next step is start dominating your conference and then moving on to see where you want to go. And then you never know the financial support you get for alums and say, hey, maybe we can do this. And other things start to take place. See, that's that's the problem. That's where I'm giving you a hard time about them being in the football business because the administration and the alums have to start supporting the football. Hell, supporting athletics that is not baseball. Right. You know, they start doing that, then they can get into the football business exactly. and things like that. Yeah. You know, we'll see because on the field, I Time think they'll be com- oh, yeah. competitive and, and successful. I, I, I won't disagree with that because they've only got two facilities, well, now three. Uh, with the swimming and diving area uh, center that are up to par to what to where they they need to be for the teams to compete more so in recruiting than just playing and, and having a, having a, uh, a facility there. Football, they've got to make a serious uh, move in what they want to do or where they want to go, either with the with, as far as the stadium concerned, not just uh, remodeling or dressing to accommodate because your, your fan base is your in-house fan base is, is low you need to find a way to correct what's there and upgrade it all told because uh all three of us have been over there at least once for a major football game whether high school or college or even pro games you know back in the day it hadn't changed and that, that needs to be addressed very soon have you gotten any sense that there's discussion about them Re, well, remodeling. Well, they've talked about it, and that's all they've done. They've got some sketches and some some, uh, some areas where they want to go to get some things done. But as far as a, a, a shovel in the ground, or making a decision on it, and saying we're going forward with this, that has not happened. Because financially, they have money. True. True. You know, it's just a question of they want to allot it toward athletics rather than academics, or do a better balance of it. And I'm hoping that it becomes a better balance. Um, all, all, all three of us pretty much understand, you know, the uh, academic side will put a push, you know, to not go back to the days of uh, when Rice was dominant in football. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, there are, are, there are more alums who do not want Rice to become Stanford. True. That is, now that, is a fact. That's a fact. And that's the sad part about the, the institution as a, as a whole. So I would ask you that question in terms of what do they see? What do they see in terms of what Stanford is in regards to balance of athletics and academics or Duke in terms of academics and athletics, two institutions that uh, will put out there that they're fine institutions academically as they are, but they find a way to elevate what they do in terms of Athletics now with Duke making a move, always pretty much in basketball, making some move in football, and in Stanford uh, doing in football, and in the past had done it in basketball, particularly with their other sports. What is the difference they those alums will tell you that they see? Are 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 their values more in place of what they see in terms of University of Chicago and the Ivy League schools versus that? But I can't put that. In. Well, that's that's uh, that's the route that they've they've pretty much put themselves into, and that is the, the, when it, when it's conversation. That's pretty much what they're they're looking at. You know, the University of Chicago. So why don't that, they drop down to well, 
Division two. I will send. I, I mean, Division three or I, I, Division three one A one A Division three. What is um, now if where FCS. where you disavow? It, it had been discussed. That, that, yeah, I've seen that full report. I read the report and it was a very uh, one of the first reports I ever seen in terms of understanding before I got into business, doing it a lot for HBCUs, analyzing strategic planning and moving forward. That was one of the first studies I seen, which was a very uh, in depth study. Now I understood that. Uh, but you couldn't get in that study actually people's attitude in terms of why. You've seen the linkage between the two. So I definitely understand those frameworks of uh, rice because that's the oddity I, right. I had out of that is you hear people suggesting that they want to be more similar to the Harvards or the University of Chicago's MITs. But as I would say, MIT, uh, University of Chicago, they don't. They play Division Three football. You go to the Ivy League. They play one double A, which is now FCS football. Right. So the oddity that you have here is you had a balance, but you can't. They won't move from that. So they're almost in a purgatory to me. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't found the, the other the one of the situations that arose out of the uh, <clears throat> last report, which has been what at least fifteen years by. I, I, Almost fifteen years uh, now. Yes. Um, what it boiled down to was they just didn't. Some of some of the academic uh, uh, members on campus, including a couple of border regions, did not want to be go back to the days of just Neela because that was brought up. When they, when they, when a conference, a forum. So what you're saying is, is in their minds, they don't think that there can actually be a balance. That you can't, that they may not have, we may not be aware of what's going on at Stanford and Duke. So in their mind, that that really doesn't exist. Right. It just hasn't got out that something of this, uh, fortune has happened at those institutions. They've just been able to cover it up. So they really don't believe, is what you're suggesting, that 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 you can exist. Without right. it going back. Because you say go back to that, but then that's why I always reference what is going on now. So yeah. essentially what you're saying to kind of finalize that point is is you actually have some people on the academic staff, right. uh, faculty side obviously, and in regards to the board members that do not believe that you can actually create a Duke-like situation where you keep your academic and succeed in sports as well as Stanford. True. And the other thing is uh, – they are not accepting not so much the change on campus, but the growth of the campus. They've gone from four colleges to what nine, nine uh, and, and I think in a, they're in the process of going to getting one more, and they feel like they're getting overwhelmed and all as far as a as an academic staff, only because they've been accustomed to you know the fifteen or twenty kids. Uh, are the ten or fifteen, uh, are the ten, the even ten, uh, ten students in a, in a classroom, uh, but they were getting the job done because as we all know, at one point, Rice was a, uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon male only institute, institute. And it was qualify for school, get in school, go to school. Anything beyond that, it's almost, it's like, uh, and after school programs and all that we're involved in. Even though football at during that period, during just needed period, pretty much paid 
for the campus and everything else. That's how they got the new football, uh, got Rice Stadium. Uh, everybody knows they started out in the old, uh, old, uh, old stadium on corner of Maine University, which is now the soccer and uh, uh, track and field stadium. Now we're having a history lesson on Rice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's Mr. Rice out here, man. No doubt. It's no doubt. I mean, I mean the Wildcat is Mr. You, you Rice out. I mean, you asked that question. You freely gave it. But I'm framing it all because it's, it's all relative. And I didn't the, say it was relative, but you sure give it a lot. Well, <laughs> I'm doing what I do. Hootie hoot, man. Hootie hoot. I'm doing what I do. I'm doing what I do. The only other person that can probably tell you more. Is is on the road right now in the middle of a game and trying to trying to get her players and all going. Gotcha. So so uh, but but without you know lingering on and on. Without turning this into the Rice All podcast. <laughs> yes. Hurry it up, man. <laughs> all right now. Hopefully, everything we it all gets beyond that and people understand even with with the new athletic director even because uh, what he has as, as an advantage he was an. Uh, AD at Oberlin College for five years, which is Division Two, and right. and that is no scholarships and no athletic scholarships, and it's a liberal arts school. Division Three or Division Two? Uh, it could be it could be Division I think Three. It's three, yeah, with no scholarships. Um, Division Three, and You're able to give scholarships. And, yeah, because there was a lot of financial aid, uh, uh, grant aid and, and financial situation, but he helped raise funds and all and get the school, you know, pretty much back on track. He even coached a little bit while he was there, you know, to help out on an athletic department. I will say this. It'll be interesting to follow, you know, because uh, I get your point uh, in regards in all seriousness mm-hmm. and with the winning. And I think that changes a lot of mindsets when people get caught up and sometimes overly to the negative. Uh, but hopefully that won't be the case for Rice. Uh, as much as I may give them a hard time, they're a fine institution uh, in terms of what they do for, for their students, academicians, and, and that nature. But it will be interesting to follow to see if this will be a changing of the tide, see if they decide to go all in, if you would, more to that, if we, uh, for lack of better terms, and to what we perceive as this Stanford and Duke model as we continue to kind of framework. But with that, I just, I'm interested to follow on to see if this. Got you. I understand. Well, let's I understand. talk about the SWAC championship, sir. In terms of SWAC championship, uh, it was an excellent game <laughs> in terms of competitiveness. It went to double overtime. Attendance as well. Uh, attendance Back was 38,000, almost 39,000. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, let's be frank. We've seen some HBCU games that that's true. Um, that have not been uh, very well played, uh, whether it was too much offense or no defense, however you want to look at it, or too many penalties. There wasn't a great deal of penalties when you look at the overall framework of the game. So it was played very briskly. Uh, so it was played very well. Uh, in all seriousness, and I was proud of what they put on the field to see that, particularly in a game of this magnitude on television. You had two very good fan bases, you know, some of the best in the nation, not just in terms of HBCUs, but in general. In terms by the way, this, let, let folks know who, who played in the game in case they yes, don't know. It was uh, Jackson State and Southern. Thank you uh, for that. And Southern won the championship, 9-4 and four getting revenge on a game they lost at home to Jackson State early in the season, 19-14, that went down to a fourth down play and with less than a minute to go in the game uh, that they couldn't convert. And this time, basically, they did, and they actually got the defense to do it. The thing that I'll point out on this uh, play, if you hadn't seen it in the reviews of television or anything, I have to go over the last play of the game because it was um, kind of odd in a lot of ways. It was a fourth down play. 
uh, where they were in double overtime. Um, they were on outside of the five-yard line, uh, just about ready to score. They had called a couple of uh, plays for the quarterback that had the option to run, couldn't get in. So this time it looked like they were rolling out to the right or it was kind of a sneak off the right side, if you would. Uh, Southern had read it right, blitzed on that side. So he pulled back a little bit to give himself some time as he was rolling out to the right. And the fullback saw what was going on, so he phased into the end zone, into the front corner of it, and was ready to make a play. He found himself out there all alone, got so tracked on looking at the ball and the play, he lost where he was. And literally, just by the edge of his back foot, stepped out of bounds. Uh, He looked and kind of realized, I don't know, maybe they were screaming in that end zone, because you see he kind of hopped to try to catch himself inbounds caught the ball as he was hopping but even if um in that case when he caught the ball uh, which would have been a touchdown he landed out of bounds but the hat had already come off because he had stepped the first foot out so no matter if he would have been able to get inbounds it wouldn't have mattered because he can't be the first one to catch the ball as we know the college rules in terms of coming in and out of bounds uh, on your own so um in a feverish temp being upset, obviously, as you would, he spiked the ball, understanding that he was this close to at least making the game continue to go on and give themselves a chance and understanding that they had officially had just lost the championship. Southern fans, football players ran onto the field and joy's excitement with helmets flying everywhere. And you see the Jackson State, uh, Tiger fans and players dropping their head in disgust of knowing that they just lost this championship. So, uh, great game in terms of entertainment value. You couldn't have beat it. Uh, the way to go out was good. They had the uh, Battle of the Bands. Uh, ten of the bands were going to show up, uh, but actually two did not. That was Grambling State uh, because of uh, obligation that they had prior to that. And then, unfortunately, as we know about the freeze that was going on, Arkansas Pine Bluff actually got uh, snowed in or iced in, I guess is a better term, in Arkansas and could not come down. But the rest of the bands did their thing. People did stow away from the bands. I think some people did say it was a little long with the bands, so that may be consideration. Who won? Uh, and Southern won. Southern won 34 to 27 was that final score. No, no one the band competition. Oh, uh, in terms of the band, battle of the bands. Uh, I guess if I had to give it up, I'm not just a band head, so I kind of looked at it. Uh, but those that were suggested that uh, uh, Jackson State, Won the Battle of the Bands at halftime between them and Southern. Most fans thought, uh, some would say Southern, but I thought Jackson State did better. And then you had the Battle of the Band with the other five bands afterwards. And I think the people liked the fact uh, there was a Battle of the Bands with Prairie View in there and their drummers. They actually set the drums on fire. And so a lot of people got excited about that with the drums lit up as they were playing the oh, drums that were on whoa. fire. So that was intriguing. <laughs> got a big, yeah, got a big roar. So they did really well. A lot of people in this area have not seen Valley, and if it has, it's been in a very long time. Uh, uh, so they did a pretty good show. Uh, but people are excited because a lot of the bands, in terms of Alabama A&M, Alabama State, do not always travel with their team, including Alcorn State. So I think that was even a bigger thing that not only uh, Prairie did their thing, was the fact that people enjoyed that they seen bands that they had not really seen before. Good, good, good. So I imagine all this will be on the website and all the Yeah. You you had a lot of videos of that going on and and, and the branding of that. 
And the last thing I'll close out with the HBCUs is we'll close out the mid-major and major championships next week and maybe give you a couple of ideas of what's going on there. But uh, everything is finished because Tennessee State lost uh, big in the playoffs. That was the semifinal, I mean, quarterfinal round games there. If you were uh, second round, as they actually say, Eastern Illinois, which is a conference for Eastern of Tennessee State and OVC, playing and losing that game 51-10 to the second time they lost to them. They lost to him early in the season. That game, Michael German, the quarterback, did not play in after holding his shoulder the week before. Was able to play in this game, but couldn't really make a difference, as you can tell about the score. So, at this point, uh, HBCUs are out of the playoffs. So, close the season with the championships, and it's officially time to get into some basketball. We'll take about a week off, and as we get into conference play, which the MEAC, oddly enough, they play one game you right before uh, the Christmas break, so you have that. But when we get into earnest, I will say we'll start seeing the polls there for both the men's and the women's. And who are you, sir? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor of uh, sport management right here at Texas Southern University. I'm also a, a sports professor that covers HBCU sports. I like to think like no other. Uh, football, men's and women's basketball, as well as baseball, the poll rankings that we do which is a combination of not just voters voting on the polls, but also an algorithm that calculates the top 10, uh, if you would, HBCU programs in sports, such as football, again, men's and women's basketball, and baseball. Well, y'all, are you ready, Mr. Cougar? Mr. Cougar, are you ready? No, you who, who are you, sir? You got this voice coming in the microphone. Who are you? Let folks know who you are and how they can I'm get touch with you. I'm the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me on the social media platforms. A.K.A. Hootie Hood. Mr. Rice Owl. Hi, Jay. I'm going to flow. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to run with it until they get knocked out the, out the pedestal. I'm no, run with no, it. no, no, no. You know. You love rice. That's hey, fine. They, they yeah. taking care of me. You know, so they're doing all right. So, yeah. They're doing ahead. all right. Go ahead, sir. Uh, AKSV, DCSR, uh, kingsizeview.com, the online edition of a King Size View, the newspaper. You can find it at the uh, local Fiesta stores. And four stores in the North Dallas, South Dallas, and two in Fort Worth. Uh, you can find me uh, online at uh, on Blogger, Blogspot, uh, YouTube. Uh, let's see. Wait, I'm trying to think of all of uh, and Twitter. AKSV DCSR. Thank and you, Wildcat. And real quick, I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. That's also on the YouTube channel, Houston Round Ball Review, and Instagram. Twitter is a little bit different. It's T-H-E-H-R Review, so that's the H-R Review. Let's talk basketball. We don't want to talk too much about the Cougar football team. They're going to be playing uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt. In a bowl game in the BBVA conference, right? Conference, January fourth. January fourth. Birmingham, Alabama. We got time to talk about that. So let's not. Uh, yeah, this, this is Rice's football. Time. It's just Rice time for football. Okay. So that's right. that's all okay. I'm saying okay. on that. That's good. But, but don't get me wrong. You know I love my Cougars, and I'm riding out the Cougars all day long. So, but you're right. It's basketball, and you all got a gift this week. <clears throat> so that's where we're going. That's why I want to take this. I don't want to forget about the Rockets. Uh, they're the better basketball news of the area, but the Cougars. Got a gift. The Cougars came off a horrible loss Saturday at home to San Jose State, who was two and six at the time. Cougars were up at halftime. 
played no defense in the second half, lit up, got lit up from the three-point line by San Jose State, and lost the ball game 72-68. This is after they lost uh, last Wednesday in College Station to the Aggies, 74-57, where they didn't play defense as well. So the defense has been a problem. Uh, you and I have said it for a hey. few games now. It's been a problem thus far. It was a problem those last two games. They started the season 6-0, and lost, then lost 4-5 or before Monday's win over Alcorn State. But I won't talk about that, Jesse. I won't talk about the losses. Okay. Uh, San Jose State shot 14 of 26 from the three-point line for the ball game. They shot – they only made eight other t- field goals. They made, the the they rest made, of the game? They made 22 field goals. I think I'm looking at this right. Yeah. Good grief. That's amazing. They made 22 <laughs> or 45 field goals for the ball game. 14 of 26 from the three-point line. The Cougars were 23 of 58 overall and 10 of 27 from the three-point line. The Cougars are not a three-point team, especially with Daniel House out following the knee skirt, the scope on his knee. He should be back, hopefully be back in uh, some point in January, unless something else happens. And I won't get into something else, but don't be surprised if something else happens. I'll just say that that that's a little teaser, and it's not in a good way either. <clears throat> but I listened to the ball game. On radio, Elvin Hayes is, does radio with uh, Matt Thomas doing play-by-play. Big E was not happy. He was not happy with the lack of adjustment by the coaching staff, allowing for, as Big E put it, two games in a row, a team to shoot well from three-point line. Adjustments need to be made. The fact that they lost that game, lost two in a row, lost four or five, Over after that loss, it got a lot of texts. Comments from other alums ain't happy. They're not happy with the results. They're not happy with the coaching style. They're not happy with the uh, the record, the lack of big-time opponents. I've had people on t- Twitter tell me that uh, this is after they won Monday against Alcorn State by 31 points. That, come on, I've got to enjoy this because they're not going to win more than five games the rest of the year in conference play. Oh, conference is going. That's from alums. Oh. Congress is going to be ugly. That's, oh, I know. That's from alums. Ain't a big time conference, so you got so, to come with big time games. My point, my question to you, to y'all, if they only get five more wins, they're seven and four right now overall. They have that's probably twenty more games total. They only get five more wins. They go twelve and nineteen, twelve and twenty, whatever it is. Will should. U of H should, should U of H good fire, fire James, James Dickey. Yeah, I don't think they have a choice uh, to make that decision when you take everything into consideration. I'm not an advocate for pushing for uh, coaches to lose their job. I know it's very serious. And right. A lot of people are enrolled with it. But well, I come from this, uh, from the analysis that you're going into a big-time conference that plays basketball at that level. Uh, if you would, and you need to be making that preparation. Right. Or or it's going to get worse real quickly. Uh, there's some things that Dickey has done in terms of getting local talent. Give him credit on that. But he um, top talent at that in terms of from the local area. So so we think. Yeah, but he hasn't been able to transition that in terms of on the court. So, yeah, I'm talking about how they were ranked. They were there. Right. Oh, yeah. But uh, 
in terms of what you're alluding to, making them be able to uh, get some big time wins. On point point, point, point blank, I had another alum tell me a, a better coach would win next year with the same talent. Okay. Well, that's, and that's scary. That's that's that's, 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 so that's, that's, that's the sentiment. Yeah, you have no choice because now what you also get into the framework, even if you don't believe that is the case, the perception starts to become reality. If you have a lot of fans thinking that in line with that in terms of fans and alums, you're in trouble because the next thing you're going to start to do is there's already a difficulty in terms of getting fans to come to the game in a facility that necessarily doesn't draw them there. Now it's about what you're able to do on the court and with the players there. And if you're not doing that in terms of the style of play, nor are you winning games, uh, there's not much else that you can do uh, in terms of making that program take the next step. And so you almost have no choice but to make a decision. Okay. They, what they, do you think? They've got three games left in the month of December. Louisiana Lafayette, Rice, Rice and, and then Stock Thomas play on, on New Year's Eve against UConn. Now, with that being said, and this is being honest, they may go 0-3 the rest, of, the rest of the month. That could happen. That could happen now. Definitely, because the game at against Lafayette is on the road, and the game with Rice, Rice they, they, is they in will Florida Center as part of the double hitter. Right. If if they lose to Rice, he's done. It, it's pretty much a ground sweat. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying after that game, but if they lose that game to Rice, he's done. Everything you said moments ago, Doc, makes sense. And the way I phrased the question was. Should they fire him? The question is, will they fire him? And I believe the answer is no. Because, wow. not not because That's of scary. reasons you think, because of money, because he should be going to the last year of his contract, I believe, just like Kyle Buchanan will after this season. Right. I don't think it'll be a money problem. I think, well, you, anyone who's listened to this podcast know my feelings towards the athletic director, Mr. Mac Rose. He's a good fundraiser. He has done a piss poor job when it comes to hiring head coaches, except once in baseball, with Coach Whitting. Other than other sports, Coach Levine had a good year, finally. Last year was a disaster. But hiring head coaches, basketball, men and women, not good. Uh, only thing, track was the only thing we've done well in so, you know, lately. Volleyball, volleyball has been a disaster. Just he didn't hire, just gone. He didn't he didn't hire didn't. the track coach. Track exactly. <laughs> track coach was, was hired by who? Dave Banks. Thank you. So, Big Dave. You, you people have too many alumni. The, iron, the irony is. With him, but I'm, it goes back to what golf, you said. Golf is coming, is rising up. Uh-huh. Women's program is, is starting. Men's program is, is doing well. But those aren't money sports. Yeah, yeah they're not revenue bearing. You no, know, it's not revenue sports. So, and I don't. This this not a personal shot at Mac Rose. Because this this is business. I want the school to do well athletically, academically, all levels possible. Compete. I want them to compete, compete and win. Going into a, a basketball conference, I can see at the end of the season, I can see let's see the last game of the season is, is the uh, conference tournament, March. No, the 12th. regular season. No, no, no. Yeah. They'll go one game in the conference tournament, March 12th. That's right. First That's round right. of yeah. tournament, March there you 12th. Go. I'm sorry, my so mistake. Un- so unless they play Rutgers in the first round, <laughs> maybe the only team they can beat in conference because Rutgers is starting over. But it, it, that may Jordan. change by that time. So, but, you know, Rutgers is, was picked 
I think, 10th yeah. in the conference. And Coach said that, it that, And he said, we're, we're rebuilding, we're starting over. So, unless they play Rutgers in the first round of the tournament, that's probably a loss. So, if they lose March 12th, March 13th, I can hear Mac Rhodes saying, well, this was, well, this was the first year in the new conference. We want to give Coach Dickey and the staff time to adjust and uh, get used to the bearings. And it's, it's, it's difficult for a coach in a new conference to adjust to the, the competitive level. And next year we expect better things. And you still, and I can, I can hear him say that right now. Won't change the result. He'll be a lame duck, lame duck next year. But that's how I, I see things happening. Unless they get their butts kicked, which probably will happen yeah. a lot I, I'm a, I'm a, in conference. Because I mean, one more thing, okay? SMU is in is in the act. Well, we're not basketball in the American. American, that's right. Here we go. This their basketball it. team program now under Larry Brown and staff are better off, better right now than U of H. Correct. Especially again, Emmanuel Moody, our point guard from Dallas area, kind of top five talent nationally. Right. To commit to Mustangs and we'll be playing with them in the fall next year. Stay home. Stay so, home. If SMU matches the Cougars twice in their matchups, the gap between in state right. will seem wide and vast. You got to do something. And so, and we're not even talking about women's basketball. Because it's, I'm, I'm it's, officially even, it's even worse now. When I in look women's at basketball. This, and then I won't even get into my HBCU basketball report because I just, I just, that's what I'm dealing you with. Know, <laughs> so I won't even get into the report. And, because and between it, the two now, I'm officially uh, depressed. Yeah, look at the uh, schedule. With all our local schools, we just can't start to buy a win. And, and, the, and, the, and the sad and part teams of, are just getting beat up. I mean, Prairie View got beat by BYU by, 150. Yeah, by 48 points last night. How does that happen? They sh- and they shot what? What is you like twenty nine percent? Something yeah. ridiculous. I mean, and, and that's the, the fellas. That's not the women. That's men shooting twenty nine percent. To 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 their point, to their, to their credit, and to his credit also, he doesn't have a whole lot of talent. Who? But, but, who? I'm talking about Prairie View. Right. For whatever reason, he's figuring out how to stay in game. I hadn't been over there to watch. Yet. They're making threes. That's what they're doing. They're making threes and a lot of them. And everybody is struggling against them bad in that first half, but because they don't have any depth and all, they you know they they're, they're finding ways you know they they're just not able to keep up in the second half. But they figured some kind of way they figured it all out and like this is it. Ain't nobody else coming through the door. We ain't waiting on nobody to come in in January. We just gotta just go out here every night and fight, rice fight. Listen to him. He's he hooty hoot. That's all over the place. You know the Isles of four and five. Okay, they come. They're coming off a win over a, a triple overtime win over South Alabama, ninety six, ninety three. But that was after they lost to Houston Baptist, seventy three, seventy one. Right. And I had I got a tweet from a Rice alum. Say I'm it. not gonna get any. It's more specific than that. A what Rice is? alum when he saw the score, he's like, damn. We lost to Houston Baptist, and I replied back. It's like two ships passing in the night. <laughs> 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 and, 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 you know, and, and people, 
and, and folks now want to run, you know, Coach Cottrell off because they done moved into the Southland. Because I mean, basketball-wise, that's going to be a different. HBU could be in a better position than Rice is basketball-wise. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we we talk about somebody actually get a shot going to the tournament. Man, just, give me some napkins over here. I'm gonna start to cry. Can we, have I, 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 hey, the, the, you know, and, can I mean, we get to the Rockets? We, 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 we need to. We need to. This is, this is the Rice this women. Holiday season. The Christmas. Rice women are, are better because they have a superstar. That's Jessica Custer. She's she's a great player. But even in the conference, she is not the best player, the best in, player in the conference anymore. Not anymore. That's Middle Tennessee State and Ebony Rowe. Right. Well, actually, that's uh, Jericho Coley from uh, Florida Atlantic. Right. right. I'll make sure it's right, Florida. Uh, so, <laughs> it's not, it's not still, great. And shape. the worst part about it is you still got a matchup against Southern Miss. You know, and, that, yeah. and that's been a horrible matchup for Rice since George has gotten that job. The Rice men, next home game, no, the next game is versus Northwood, Thursday, December 19th. At 11.30 in the morning. Clearly, they don't expect anybody to be at this game. <laughs> 11.30 in the morning okay, hey. on a Thursday. That's followed by, on Friday, Rice women play as U of H women at 11 o'clock in the morning. I think 11 o'clock is 1 o'clock. One, mm-hmm. one of those is either. I'll be there. But it's it's because of finals and everybody's out of town. And they want to make it easy for, for everybody to, to travel where they got to go for, for the holiday break and things like that. Mm-hmm. So who's the next coach? At at at, at, at any of these schools, or, or, or just one in particular? Well, it looks like we're gonna have a whole bunch of coaches. At, at, well, between let's see. U of right, H, right men, now, women. Right, right now we gotta look at Prairie uh, View. At, at, uh, uh, the Texans football is, is coach team. Grimm in trouble? We got all kind of kind of things. I think he is if he can't uh, make a serious run, particularly with the way he's starting to lose some games. I think it's a question. He does have a good relationship with the athletic director, and I think he's actually a good guy. So he may be more in line with what you're seeing at U of H where the athletic director says, well, you know, this is my first year. I'd like to see some other things. I'm going to fund him in a different way. So maybe that will change the mindset. So, but I, think, I mean, you know, I definitely think the alums are frustrated with what he's doing. TSU is in good shape with their coaches. They're not going anywhere. You know, Coach Davis and yeah. Coach Perry. Now, the only way i like them to go anywhere is across the street. Folks, he, he, you know, he's going public with it now. He's going public. Mike he's not Davis afraid over the He's not afraid of the Hayes Perry over the U of H. And then start winning. You have two solid pros. You know. Yeah. Hell, I, hell, I said in a few podcasts last year, take Charles over, go to AD2. Get all three of them. Charles, yeah, roll, roll on get over all three of them. Take the issues. People over there go to AD. Yeah. And straight yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ch- change the colors <laughs> and let's go. Yeah. That's that's my ideal scenario. It ain't going to happen under that. I've already been told it's not going to happen by some alums of UAC. We're not going to happen by the TSU. It's TSU. And I look at them like, you lost your damn mind. <laughs> so you're not even going to analyze what they do when they just say TSU. They can't be good. Yeah, it's, you it's know TSU. what? TSU, we're not going to happen by the TSU. Folks, this <laughs> That's is, what I was told. This is 2013, and it still exists, people. It still exists. It still exists. But the women, right, women are coming off a, a 74-61 win over Texas State. I was there. I hadn't been there for a while. saw them play. Got good production from the bench. Uh, Jessica Custer got her eighth double double, and the crowd wasn't great. I'm like, I'm not here. Are you getting two fifty? Two. Oh, they announced three hundred and something, whatever. Um, but I'm, I am not here to do their job. I'm not here to market and promote any team in this, in this city. But, but, if you are a marketing department, 
Go ahead. Get a thousand folks in in the in the building and see see your team compete and play. Not two hundred, three hundred, one hundred. Unless you're hell, Sharp Gym doesn't have a big capacity. I was fixing to go there. I was fixing to go there. more folks see them play than Rice U of H T S U. Correct. On a regular basis. Night in and night out. When I lose, they showing up and they, they support and they, they husking. 333 was the announced attendance at the Rice Texas State women's game. 333. And, and not about that. I really do. That's probably counting the season ticket holders. And the, oh, and they, uh, the Rice U of H uh, women's game is at uh, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, yeah. Up, up, yeah. <laughs> it won't be, I doubt it will be that many people there. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And, and it's a Friday, too? Oh, no. Friday morning, yep. Friday afternoon, 1 o'clock, yeah. Not going to happen. Yep. Right before Christmas? Uh-uh. Nope. But, yeah, you know, it's it's that's where we are. And U of H women are coming, are 3-6, coming off a 55-41 loss, road loss at Alabama, SEC school. Probably one of the worst SEC schools. And that team lost to U of H on last season. 41 points. Scored 41 points. 44. Four, well, whatever. 51, 44. <laughs> and the guy yeah. got, and, and in the process, that, they are going through a, a coaching change at Alabama because the guy that was a coach last season lost his job and was moved into administration and now they have someone else. And he was an alumni, played ball at. So, well, you know, I mean, if you want to make a change, you can make a change. If you don't want to make one, we'll, you know, as we sit here and look at these uh, programs and all and, and read up on them. But I, yes, nobody wants to make a serious change. They I don't will, want to put in the effort. Yeah, I will say this without going into specifics. Uh, I have been asked asked what is the contract situation of Todd Buchanan at U of H because there are some folks who are, who want him to be dismissed as well. So there you go. U of H men's women's basketball programs are in shambles, and that's coming from a proud, very proud U of H alum. Got to do better, Doc. If you want to do better, if you want to compete, that's that's, that's, you want to do better. The question is, where are you and what is your mindset? And I I will say this. uh, uh, President Couture was at the U of H San Jose State game Saturday. Saw the men crater in the second half. So I know good well she saw what she saw. She's not a dumb dumb woman. To her credit, she sits and evaluates. You know, she comes and sits at the game, and you can see the smile on her face and everything, you know, when she gets there. And when she leaves, it's not a good look, and she, and she might sit, may not say a whole lot, but her body language gives off this. I, I I'm not, not good. I'm, I'm not happy with, with what I'm looking at. But getting back to the marketing part, which Doc, you you're better at it than I am. What does it take to put light a fire under all of these marketing programs at all these, at these universities? Because they outsource it to these people like IMG and and uh, uh, Learfield and all. Well, I think uh, the the first thing that you have to have a group that really understands marketing. I think one of the first thing is when you outsource it, then that's one consideration. Unless you a mega program, then I'm not sure if it really makes sense to outsource marketing. The other thing that you have to understand is when you have marketing, is you have to get out of the mindset. Most people look at marketing and says it's simply about wins and losses. But as we teach in the classroom, I try to tell them the last thing that you, and the most difficult thing you understand in sports is that if you're in truly a good marketing person in sports, you have to understand is that you do not control wins or losses. So you take that out of the picture and framework. So what you want to do is marginalize where you are and how do you get better? How do you marginally get better? 
And that's where you start to have to really do some creative things and start doing your research first. The first part of marketing is research, meaning you're going to collect data and really understand your fan base, your area that you operate in, and what are their interests. And then you start doing programs and plans towards their interests to bring them out, whether it's marketing the teams that you're playing, whether it's marketing key players that you have that are from local areas. And so um, you have to do those kind of things to look at really understanding the marketing scenario. And right now, uh, as Chris said earlier, it's as much as the basketball coaches don't seem to be doing what they need to do are clueless. It seems like our marketing people, to a lot, to a large, don't understand that either. And it hasn't changed. It's, it's been that way for years. You know, the lack of attendance. First and foremost, we know this is a football town. But I think marketing departments use it as a crutch when it comes to not promoting basketball teams. You know, well, they just say, well, this is football, so why should I really put forth and never try to get folks to come see the basketball teams play? You know, Bryce, especially in Bryce's case, we have a player of the year in Jessica Custer, who outside of me, you guys, because I mentioned on people and people listening to the podcast, know who she is. Right, which is my point. And I and I I do not mean this, but I'm about to say in a sexist way. But she is an attractive young lady. Yep. Yep. And you need to use that to a to a And you can. And I'm not saying to put her in, you know, hoochie outfits, nothing yeah, like yeah. that. You know that. You know, you, there's a way to do saying, it. Accentuate. Uh, and obviously, she's a right student too, so um, she's she's intelligent as well. Yeah, so yep. So you use all that. But you know that they, they have whatever. You Let's have talk. the books in the basketball right. and in, in, the, in the shop to make sure that you let everybody know that she's doing it. Now, first, the, career woman. Talk, to the, talk about the Rockets. The somber news, uh, condolences and prayers to Coach Kevin McHale's family. His mother passed away uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. Tuesday night, and the funeral will be Friday. He's away, uh, going to spend time with the family, naturally, and, you know, and grieve. No, no call of when he's going to return to the team. Uh, Kevin Sampson will be coaching uh, while Coach McHale is away. Rockets is on the on the uh, West Coast. They got Portland tonight. Surprise, Portland Trailblazer team. Game is on TNT. As we're doing the podcast, by the time podcast is posted, the game should be on T should be on TNT as well as uh, Comcast Sports Houston. It's a national game, so I think it's not going to be a problem for right. blackouts and things like that. But basketball-wise, as we speak, this is the 12th of December. Uh, last week or so, ESPN.com, Mark Stein reported that the Rockets are, have ramped up the their desire to trade Omer Asik, uh between now, the 12th, and the 19th of December. Because basically... As of the 15th of December, that's when free agents who sign contracts in the offseason are eligible to be traded for their contracts to get maximum salary value in a trade. I don't want to get on to specifics of base compensation, all that kind of stuff. But right. Uh, December 15th, free agents can be traded. That's the first day they can be traded. And then December 19th, you acquire somebody. They can still they can be demi dealt prior to the February trade deadline, so that's why this window, this one week window, 
is when the Rockets are expected to deal Ashik, um, and then whoever they acquire, if they so choose, could then be dealt by the February trade deadline as well. So we'll see how that goes. Um, no real specific details of what team has the, the lead in, in acquiring Omir kicked around uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Brian, Brian Anderson is a stretch power forward, stretch, you know, forward, they call it now in the NBA. He's, he's a very good three-point shooter who has complimented Dwight. But Terrence Jones has played very well in the starting position at the power forward spot for the Rockets. On offense, the defense is getting better. And the Rockets are doing, they're play, playing very good ball. You know, they're struggling. They're in this little mentality where they're playing down to the competition. You know, they lost to the Suns. They lost to the Utah Jazz on the road. Uh, you know, then they bounce back Friday and, and just blast the Golden State Warriors. And I would expect that game to be much more competitive. And if anything, the way the Rockets were, were struggling, I expected the Warriors to be the ones to win by, by a blowout. But, so they're kind of messing around with competition. You know, James Harden shouldn't go into nagging injuries. Taylor Parsons having back problems. They got the acupuncture that helped relieve the back issues. Uh, Jeremy Lin is back from his. His uh, knee problem should be playing tonight versus Portland, which will help kind of restore the bench rotation, which is a problem for some of the issues they were having during their struggles, recent struggles. But it's a mentality. You know, Dwight Howard, rebounding-wise, he's got three straight games of at least 18 rebounds. If he gets the fourth one, to be the first person since Marcus came to do that in like six years. So rebounding right. isn't a problem for him. Um it's just focus overall. The defense takes siestas. Yeah. Despite the fact you look at them overall, the numbers where they rank is better than where last year. But that they're just such a three-point reliant team. When the three-pointers aren't falling, they don't do a don't do a great job throwing the ball down low to Dwight to uh, as the first look mm-hmm. for the offense. So it's a fine line between them and the turnovers. They turned over at an alarming clip sometimes. But they're still a good team. They're a fun team to watch. And I will still say, despite what the attendance sheet says, that they have sellouts. That's a lie, 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 lie. You may call those seats purchased. Wildcat can give me more information about that. They've started giving away tickets. Folks are not using those tickets. I mean, there are empty seats. All over that place, upper level, lower level, mid court, behind the basket, empty seats everywhere. Wow. And I, I'm not, I can't really explain why because they are a good team. Um, I don't know if it's because they're not on TV locally, that's you know seen by enough of the city, so folks cannot see how excited and solid ball that they do play. They, the Rockets do a pretty good job of marketing and doing things in the community. Right. So I really don't know. And let me give you ask give me give me your thoughts on this. I think that it does the Rockets a disservice to announce that your games are sold out if they're not. Because if a fan happens to be able to see a game on TV and want to and decides I'm gonna buy a ticket. And then here you can't buy a ticket, man. Game game sold out. Yeah, you say he sold out. I just look on TV and nobody there. It's a sellout. So my my thinking is, if they keep saying it's a sellout, 
it's going to reduce the incentive for fans who really want to buy tickets and go to the game, not just buy them and sit on their behinds and never show up. To actually show up, what do you think? I think that's a good point. Uh, you have to be careful in terms of your perception you put out there. For those fans that wouldn't be willing to go to the game uh, as a odd fan here and there and they hear that it's sold out, then you, you're you going to lose that fan base. So I think you got to keep looking and be careful in terms of how you do sellouts unless you put some caveat that you can get certain types of tickets anyhow. So if you don't put that out fast and furious, people are going to be misled and think that there actually are no seats to be had type of sellouts versus a sellout in terms of capacity, not what you can actually do to get into the game. Wow. Wildcat, what do you say, sir, as you've been sitting there quiet, must be reading about Rice Owls news. No, I'm, um, the Aggies just breathe a, uh, breathe a big sigh of relief. Uh, it's being posted that uh, Sumner has officially signed his $5 million deal with uh, A&M to re So? Uh, the fact that he signed, put his, his, his pen to the ink. Is it, is it a contract? Yeah. Can't contracts be broken? $5 million buyout? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> $5 million yawn, buyout. Yawn. What? Whatever. It's not worth the paper. Is yeah, no. whatever. Uh, what? It depends on who wants to spend it. That's exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, somebody, you know, I know the word was that there's a clause in the contract that he couldn't go to, to the NFL until 2015 or until Kyle Field remodeling is completed. Whatever. Okay. You know, good for him. He got more money. Good for him. Okay. You know, it's still I, bitter. I'm not it's bitter. Still... It's a contract. Whatever. We see coaches leave after one year. One fellow, I think, Mr. Hootie Who, yeah. signed a deal with Rice and left like days after he signed a contract, right? I left hours in the dark. So, Head yeah, I mean, tuck. whatever. Headed up the Plus, if you notice this five million magic number is coming up everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's signing these five million dollars and what, um, to get a framework around it, really what's driving this is this new playoff. And these people know they're coming into this money. Yeah. They're not sharing that money with players. They've already had all these changes that they're doing to upgrade the facility. So they're going to put that money uh, with the coaches. And so that's why you're seeing this magic number with everybody re-upping uh, these contracts to $5 million. You've seen it with the Auburn coach. And we might as well get into it while we wrap up the podcast. Uh, uh, and, and before you, I, I just want to get your comment on this: the new situation that NC2A has added Friends of the programs or whatever that is, there's no, uh, uh, an additional extension of that alumni and, and outsiders can start contributing directly or per se to athletic programs. I, I know we're getting late into the uh, podcast and about to wrap this up, but keep give, give a keep, keep us your opinion of, a, of what exactly you know in a short term. What what exactly is it? Oh, it's simply this is the big schools, the what we formerly knew as the BCS automatic qualifiers, okay. flexing their muscle, uh, and they decided that uh, they're forcing Emirates to understand that we need to have change in NCA that favors us, and they have basically threatened everybody else that if you don't play by our rules, we're going to leave. So you're going to see more changes coming uh, in January when they had the official meeting. Uh-huh. There's been a lot of information out there. And you're starting to see the smaller institutions acquiesce because they are scared of the threat that they're going to lose uh, all the money that they have associated basically with basketball where they see it uh, if they don't acquiesce to the big boys. So uh, they're just uh, flexing their muscles. And uh, this is 
pie for the piper, if you would, of what's going to go uh, further as you continue on. My personal opinion, I'm an open market system kind of guy. Truly believe in capitalism uh, in terms of framework, particularly as a uh, U.S. citizen. And if that's the way we're going to do it, that's the way I want to play with it all the way. And I think players should be played. And I think the uh, alumni should be able to pay whoever they want to and uh, let the market determine what's going on. Let it open. Let it let it rain. There you have it. Let's capitalist. Let's you know. Let's not avoid the pink elephant in the room. Who's going to replace Mac Brown in Texas? Oh, Mac Brown had a press conference today and said basically nothing's changed. I'm still the head coach. Right until he meets the folks, which is true. He already knows the wall. You know, everything's already written in. Saying all the people in the back door are pretty much smoking cigars and drinking uh, uh, their drinks in terms of cognac or fine drinks that they drink, if you would, wine and those kind of things. But the decisions are already been made, basically, and I think some uh, signatures up there. One time I did really think there was already a done deal, but I'm starting to sway a little bit to the other side to think that Saban is not the person that they really have at the top of their list. Now, that's just to hide whoever it is. I'm not sure who that person is. Todd Graham, what do you think, sir? AD, Steve Patterson, new AD. That's true. Arizona State. Yep. Knows the area. That's true. I'm, let's, I'm, I'm trying to do this quick in my brain. I don't I don't think Todd's the best person for that job. Oh, no doubt. He pissed off so many alums real quick. Yeah. Oh, man. My. But the other Ooh. thing is, they. Uh, like I mentioned last night. They, they'd win, though. Yeah. Oh, they would yeah. win. You would piss <laughs> off a whole lot of folks, though. And they would win legally. You know, there's a certain that's the thing that in Texas, though. They do not just want to win. They want to win oh, with yeah. the coach that they can smile with, which is kind of odd why a lot of people are that they were so in love with Saban because he's not the, oh, the no. friendliest person. Oh, to no. But people in Alabama all talk about that. You know, don't invite him out. They literally don't invite him out to an event. You'll get this little solemn person that sits over in the corner. No, he made glad hand walking in, but once he sits down, that's it. So who else? Not Todd Graham, not Nick Saban. Uh, you, I, I still feel like they, they've got to hire a recruiter that's familiar with that, that has done real grunt work here in this state. You know, uh, I think an odd person that is really uh, interesting person to me. I'm not sure how people would think about him in terms of recruiting, but uh, to really rebrand everything that you have, and some people just going to be like, they can't believe it, is David Shaw. I don't see him leaving Stanford. I just don't. Right, And I do agree with that. I think he because is I think his, his next job will be in the NFL. I, I don't think he, he wants to leave that area, and I'm not even sure how much interest he's going to have in the pros this year. Right. Art Browse? Oh, no. Art I think that would be a good fit. It would be a good but fit. Is but he going to leave? Is, he Art just took his five million. At Baylor. He took I his did. five millions. He seemed like a guy that's pretty he similar in nature. Kevin Summers? We said the same thing when uh, we didn't think he was going to leave U of H. Well, we knew he was going to leave U of H. Yeah. 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 He, Especially that job. Especially uh, Baylor. Because you had an opportunity to triple your <laughs> your salary. Well, I mean, if he leaves uh, he leaves Baylor to Texas, I, it's going to be an additional at least two million dollars. It's going to be six, seven million dollars. But he's he's the, the conversation I've had with him. He's at home now. I mean, he it, that I that, I didn't see him tear up and all to the point to where 
I don't. I think he's very comfortable. There, but I only I because, but that, that's that, that's more to to his fitting as a as a person, you know, mentally and all, and not dealing with the other stuff. Who who left Boise State? Now that that changed. Peterson did, Peterson. Mm-hmm. but he left to go to Washington. And then, if you read, he's the, from that the area, and report. it really didn't surprise a lot of people that but, he was but ready. You, and if you read the, right. the report, they said it was timing. The timing was right. Timing, family timing. And when I saw that, I didn't, I, I didn't sweat that. That told me it wasn't right. all about money. So I think it was he's about asking that question, question. in terms of the uh, But he left. His timing right. He left with that with that does in he mind. believe he's done everything he, he can, can do, do at Baylor? At Baylor. Can he win a championship? How much does he want a championship? Can he win a championship at Baylor? A national championship and a fourteen playoff. And does he want a championship? You got to think about that, man. You really got you really got to think about that that long. I only re- that's, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Come on, man. Hello. Baylor, Texas. That that that, that ain't <laughs> in terms of the championship. Can you win a championship at Baylor? No. no. This ain't women no. basketball we're talking about here. Well, that's true. Okay. No baseball. I'll miss basketball to a certain extent. No, you can't do that. All right. But but to answer your question, Peterson going to Washington can win a national championship. Art leaving Baylor to go to Texas. Yeah, that can happen. So that's why you leave. If you're interested in really winning championships, now he's got his taste for it. He's got, he knows that he believes his offense can get it done. So Baylor, he can get the horses to allow his offense to do it. And that's the other thing. He's he's also got the top number one uh, ranked uh, offensive lineman this year. We're going long here, but that's all right because this is what we do in our podcast sometimes very quickly. I'm I'm not sure when our next podcast will take place, but coming up. On the 17th of December, women's college basketball, ESPN 2. Okay. Number one, Connecticut, travels to Durham to Ah. play number two, Duke. Why why you want to do that to me, man? Why you want to do that? Because I like to hear your reactions. (laughs) Why you want to do that to me? Because you know where I'm going with this. And I I don't bite my tongue about that. Because I like to hear your reaction when it comes to. I don't care who's coaching that team. Duke and Connecticut playing basketball. Duke shows up and says, hey, we playing UConn tonight. Folks, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I've watched it. Ask this question. How big? Now, that's a good question. And I'm still looking at 25. Let me see if I can find only because twenty five. Keep, keep talking. Keep, no, o- keep only talking. Yeah, only ahead. because of the fact that they've tried before. Twenty five. We talking about a team that mentally has an edge. Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. I'm still looking at twenty five because. And you know why he says twenty five, Doc? What's the closest? Twenty five. I'm gonna tell you why he says. Let me see if it'll pull yeah, up yeah, here. Yeah, make, make sure before you speak. You, you, okay, you, I'm gonna give him facts at, right. I'm gonna give him a facts yeah. right here. Thanks to but you. doc, they have yet 25? to compete. They have yet to compete for them on in any Duke, tournament situation. Duke hasn't season. beat UConn since the 2006 NCAA tournament. And what happened? Re- since, reason that happened since then. That was in overtime. Six three sixty one. In the six subsequent meetings. UConn is six and zero, with a average margin of victory of twenty nine point three points. I rest my case. Twenty five. Two coaches have have attempted, including have attempted including two gotcha. coaches. A thirty two point win at Duke in two thousand ten, wow. a thirty five point win in the tournament in two thousand eleven, and a thirty point win last year in Connecticut. Yes, gotcha. after the last three years. 
and point and, well taken. Thank you. I, 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 I'm just saying. And folks, remember that train coming into town gonna be re- be rolling. We on the tracks and it's gonna be going moving down fast. And, and this isn't even. We're not even sure if the Huskies will be completely healthy in the game because they still go oh, out. That's the other thing. Kalina, They're playing shorthanded right now. Yes. Kalina Mosqueda Lewis. That, that's what I'm not worried. And Morgan Tuck may not play. May or may not play in Tuesday's matchup. So he's still saying 25 points. I will be shocked. Point shocked. Well shocked. Shocked. If it's closer. No, no. I'm, I'm going. Hell, I, I'm going. I'm going further than that. I will be shocked if Duke wins the ball game. It's at home. I will be shocked. Just beyond shocked if they win the ball game. I'm expecting UConn win by at least 10 points. At least. I don't think it's going to be close. The final score might be closer than than it's really indicated. Gotcha. I'm, I'm but yeah, saying. I will be stunned if Duke wins the ball game. I hope they do in this sense for the national conversation the that people people want to say, well, it says UConn and everybody else. As I've said already. As I've said and, for the last and, two months, and, that UConn and everybody and Doc, else. To, to his point, everybody that's that's in the, in the Writers Association, we pretty much look at the season. Um, you know, it's UConn, you know, Stanford, Duke, you know, the, the regulars and all, Tennessee, um, Texas when they were okay. But once the season starts, and everybody knows is every game you got to be getting it done on a college level. For whatever reason, once one of those in the top five plays that game against, uh, against UConn, the rest of them start wilting away. Slowly. Slowly wilting away. I've said this one more time, one more time. Nothing like ice on a hot furnace. Yeah, one, I've said one last hot thing butter. a couple yeah, of times. I want to say this. This will be the last thing. Uh, last Friday, uh, Kentucky women, Baylor women played in Arlington Stadium before the men played. An epic battle. Four overtimes, top ten matchup, five versus nine, Kentucky was five, Baylor number nine. Final score was 133 to 130. Odyssey Sims. Odyssey Sims scored 47 points. Kentucky's Jennifer O'Neill scored 43 points. Baylor had like five players foul out. I was following on Twitter, got that Rockets game. People over and over again just talking about this is great women's basketball idea. Showing that women can score high level, high number of points. One problem though. Game was on ESPN3. Was on ESPN two. They did not. They did not switch to ESPN two. I think till the fourth overtime, in the time allotted for the fellas game to start. So coaches were women's coaches were tweeting that every top ten matchup should be on national television. I rest my case. I agree. I agree. But but does it mean that the television is executive? And this and keep in mind now. ESPN is the home of the women's tournament. So the fact that they did not put a top 10 matchup on TV, ESPN 3 is not TV, it's internet. Correct. What does that say about ESPN, how ESPN feels, really feels about women's basketball? If it's not UConn. And that's what another person I saw on Twitter just ripping ESPN a new one. They don't care about women's basketball. They don't really care about women's basketball. They don't put the game on TV. But I don't, I, I don't think 
to be frank with you, I don't think ESPN really cares about any sport. I think they, they're like any company. They care about their bottom line, which means they're going to get the rating. Which gets me to my final point. It would have been a top 10 matchup. If it were on TV on ESPN 2, I wonder what the ratings would have been. Right. Would have been very high. Yeah. We can fans and people who follow women's basketball can say all they want to. Is that we are we're, we're a small niche? We're we're not as big as we think we are. We like we not as big as people like to be. We like to be. That's the thing. And I can say that from the HBCU perspective. And one final yeah, caveat: having all the top ten matchups on, I disagree. I don't want to be on TV. If they involve UConn, it's gonna be a blowout. I don't want to be on TV. One, if one versus two on Tuesday is a blowout, don't don't put UConn on TV. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Unless you just want to see great, talented players, all Americans play and, and at a maximum skill level, kicking somebody behind. No, it really doesn't do you good. The only time that I've heard that that really works is when you talk about the Olympics. If people are more fans about following the country and the uniqueness of that platform, so you'll still get the eyes even though it's a blowout, because they all kind of focus on that scenario. But I think you're right in terms of that. I'm going to tell you the brand, as we start to close out, the brand that has gotten this down pat is the NFL football. True. Definitely. They understand what it means and why it's important to make sure that you really can't call a game. I don't like it because they depress the value of the athletes. I'm a fan of athletes, and I believe they should be paid. But they really did a good job of shrinking the roster, which means that you can't – I don't care what type of owner you are, you can't really um, – Yeah. You, you can't buy a super team. You can't buy a super team because yeah. I'm going to depress how many players you have on the team. And on top of that, I'm only going to do another thing. I'm going to put a cap to make sure that you can't even load up on certain players. So I keep everything churning, which means that it's more difficult to have a super team. And that's and that's the model of the NBA is, is following that. Yeah, and that's what the NBA is trying to get to, mm-hmm. and it may take them a little longer because uh, they just changed over to this model. They're, they're, their new hard salary cap and the the luxury taxes and the aprons and all the penalties, the the two dollars for every dollar you go over the cap, all those kind of penalties are about to to start uh, being implemented. Just coming off season, so you're really going to see teams have to make financial decisions long term. Yeah, in the days of the dynasty for the NBA, you're looking at the last one probably with the Heat. If you're a fan of that kind of dynasty type thing, and so you better enjoy it while you can because them going to that model, I'm telling you, you're going to see what you see pretty much in the NFL, which is you can see a team get parity or mediocrity. Yeah. Depending on your perspective, and, yeah. they, and the, the NBA has your, been there. They, they've been at the parity. Depends on how you look at it, and and basically what you're going to start finding out is it's really going to be who can get hot late. Let's wrap it up, Doc. Wrap it up for I me. Mean, who are you? How close can touch you, sir? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor of sport management here at Texas Southern University, also the sports professor for HBCU Sports. You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, as well as Twitter and Instagram in terms of social media platforms. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also email me directly at kcavill at th-agency.com, kcavill at th-agency.com. You can see me on a couple of blog uh, websites, 
uh, such as during the football season at collegesportingnews.com. All season long, you can follow me on Onidon, O-N-N-I-D-A-N.com. That's www.onnidan.com, as well as www.tspnsports.com. Wildcat? I'm on the social media platforms of YouTube, Twitter, Blogger, Blogspot. Excuse me. You can find me at AKSVDCSR at all three. You can also find the College Sports Report. Uh, the uh, online edition of uh, kingsizeview.com. You can also find the print uh, edition of King Size View at the Fiesta stores here in town and four stores, two in North Dallas, South Dallas, and two in Fort Worth. We're branching out. We're about to, we're in the process now of attempting to pick up two more stores to bring it to six. In the Dallas and Fort Worth area, and folks, we are on our way. And I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Round Ball Review is Instagram account. Houston Round Ball Review is YouTube channel. T H E H R Review is the Twitter handle. Got a Houston Round Ball Review Facebook fan page. Got the new person like it this week. Thank you for that. Got a question today. Thank you for that as well on the fan page. I'm also a member of the uh, Greater Houston Association Basketball Coaches Group that is in charge of picking the God B. Lewis Award winner. It goes to the top boys high school player in the Greater Houston area. We announced our top 100. That's on the Guy B. Lewis Award fan page. We also have a Guy B. Lewis Award Twitter name as well. We'll announce that winner in April. So we're all doing different things. Like thank my two colleagues here for joining me. At Wednesday's Jingle Bells with Journalists Network function, we made some good contacts there. Hopefully, things will will great come job. from that. Great, job. and great. Um, 2014, I think it's going to be a great year for us. Thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. Tell everyone, all of your friends about the podcast. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your interest. The next podcast, we're going to try something different. We look forward to that. What we're going to try to do. As always, we'll wrap it up as I do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.